A popular outcast production. Kevin Seibert, and with me is Emerson Smith and Mark Matters. This is episode four. Uh, today is June twenty third, two thousand thirteen. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Emerson? I'm doing well. Um, so, what have you been playing that's not portable? Only League of Legends and nothing else, because the game that I'm covering this episode is massive, and it's all I've really been wanting to do with my life. Wow. Oh. That sounds promising. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, get, I, I might have telegraphed the review a little bit. <laughs> Sorry so about drinking? that. I'm, I'm drinking a Dogfish Head Raison d'Etre. Excellent choice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's enjoyable. It's a... Uh, Deep mahogany ale brewed with Belgian beet sugars, green raisins, and a sense of purpose. Oh man, <laughs> I want that inside me. I know. Well, it's about to be inside of me. You can probably—I don't know. Dogfish Head's um, sold fairly widely, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it is. expensive. Is ex- extremely expensive out here. Oh really? Yeah, like fourteen I mean, bucks for a four pack or something. It's not much cheaper here. Okay. I just—I like me some expensive beer. What can I say? Right. So, uh. Mark, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad. Cool, and uh, what are you uh, playing that isn't portable? Uh, Currently playing The Last of Us on PS3, and last night downloaded New Super Luigi for the Wii U. And how's that? Uh, It's good. I'm enjoying it. It's pretty difficult. And, um, you know, it's sense of urgency. Every level, you only get 99 seconds to complete it. Oh, yeah, that that sounds like Coin Rush mode from um, New Super Mario 2 for the... 3DS. And uh, yeah. what, are you, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, well, I bought a, a mixed sixer at work, just a bunch of single beers. So I'm starting off with a German black lager by the name of Kostritzer, I believe. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's see how this works out. Oh, you're just now opening it. Yeah. Nice. And Emrys, uh, you seem a little, uh, I don't know, under the weather. You doing all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, how's the job um, hunt going? It's <laughs> it's going all right. Um, you know how it is when you're looking for work. Sure. I'm kind of envious that I'm I'm simultaneously envious and happy that you get to play The Last of Us and I can't. Oh yeah. Because if I had a PlayStation, I would run out and buy it. Yeah. And I'm glad I can't do that. I would talk about it for an hour if we weren't already talking about another game for an hour this episode. Yeah. So. Um, are you, are, do you have a drink this episode? I do. I'm drinking, I'm actually, I'm con- joining the, uh, the High Flutin Beverage Club this week with, uh, Goose Island Matilda. Oh. It's a Belgian-style pale ale. Goose Island is a Chicago brewery. Mm-hmm. It's quite good. It's really light. And it's, Sweet. It's Belgian. <laughs> My favorite. And, yeah, um, Belgians yeah. are the best. It's delicious. Have you been playing many games? 
Yeah, I've been playing, obviously, a lot of League of Legends, because it owns me. Um, I recently started playing Duel of Champions, which is a Might and Magic collectible card game that's online. Oh. Penny Arcade was giving away, like, a content pack for it, for mm -hmm. free, so I was like, alright, well, whatever. And it's, I don't know, There's I'm on one mission that I think is impossible, I think it's actually impossible right now. The enemy starts off with, like, three times, like, free, bunch of free resources at level one, and then he just kills you, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that, but... Mm. Consult an, on, an online FAQ? Yeah, well, I, I might have to. But it's like, I just finished the tutorial, I'm on, like, mission two, and it's just like, you're dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I must be doing something wrong, but I have no idea what. Right. I've also been playing this indie game called Game Developer Tycoon. Which I think is really I heard hard. of this. Yeah, it's weird. It's a funny game. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's just a, a sim business game. Cool. I ended up spending all of my money on making a new game engine like every month, so that's not a good way to That's not a productive, productive. way. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to jump into right away uh i have a few light news articles that i'm just going to breeze through some interesting things that i found throughout the past couple weeks that i want to talk about um number one we talked about super smash brothers for uh 3ds and wii u last week or last two weeks ago whatever it was, it was a couple um, weeks ago we were talking about oh we hope that they add uh cross-platform play between the 3ds and wii u and it has been confirmed that that featured will not be in the final version of the game. Yeah, I saw that. I was disappointed. It's a little disappointing. Yeah. The, Usually the, the controls are too different. I think it has to do with frame rates and the the difference in the stages and stuff like that. So the only thing that's going to transfer over are your customized characters, which they haven't really talked a whole lot about. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering, they have the Tekken team involved, so I almost wonder if they're going to include the, the ridiculous stuff that's in the later Tekken games, like hats and and, and weird <laughs> pairs of pants that you can equip your characters with. But that remains to be seen. Um, Monster Hunter 4 was given a release date in Japan of September 14th. Um, it'll be the first handheld version, I believe, with online play. So we'll see that in like two years. But Japanese, <laughs> yeah. our Japanese listeners can get super stoked about it right now. <laughs> um, also saw that uh, Street Pass was updated in Japan and Europe unfortunately it was not updated for North America but they added four new games uh, these ones you have to actually pay for they're $5 a piece or you pay $15 and you get the whole four pack um, they are Street Pass Squad which is sort of like Galaga and the people that you Street Pass um, you use their Miis, specifically the color of their Miis, and you get different weapons. Like maybe a green-shirted Street Pass character gives you a spread laser and that kind of thing. Uh, so right. it was the least... In well, it's not the least interesting one to me. The next one's the least interesting game to me is Street Pass Garden, where you all the people you, you pass and collect their Miis, their Miis come and they water your plant that you have in your garden, and also their plants that they bring with them cross-pollinate your plant, and you, you create new plants, and the whole thing just looks very silly. That sounds awesome to me, actually. Really? Yeah, well, I hopefully, would be all over that. 
hopefully they'll bring it over here and you can pay five dollars for it. Um, yeah, and, and never meet anyone in Chicago with a. Well, they're pass, they're looking at installing street pass relay stations into a diff- bunch of different places, which I would imagine means anyone who goes to this location with a 3ds, it uploads their stuff, and then anyone else who comes there can like sort of download all the other me's that have visited that that relay station. That's an interesting idea, but I, I, like I'm really surprised that in Chicago you never get street passes. I spent one afternoon in New York City last week, and I got nine street passes. Well, to be fair, I hardly ever, like, go out and around town, but when I do, I never get any. Like, I was down in the tourist district, like, for, like, two hours one day, and I didn't get anything. Weird. Anytime I I go to San Francisco, I'll get at least a handful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anytime I go to Wegmans, I'll usually get a street pass, which is a really random place. Insane. At the grocery store, I've actually run into the same person twice now, so... (laughs) Nice. I'm gonna have a, a, a... a me friend pretty soon. Aww. What I'm excited about is that I finally have more than one yellow street pass character, so every time I meet someone with a yellow shield, I don't have to waste all my play coins on wandering heroes hoping I get a yellow one. Yeah. <laughs> so they also have street pass battle, which looks kind of cool. You, um, each individual player amasses this army. And the more people you street pass with, you accumulate their soldiers for your army. So you keep getting this bigger and bigger army to take on against the computer and their army. So, I mean, it sounds like if you didn't have a lot of street passes uh, under your belt, that it might be the, one of the more difficult games to complete. But it looks pretty cool. These just giant armies of Mies beating the crap out of each other. Um, and then the last one is Street Pass Mansion, which looks a lot like Find Me mixed with Luigi's Mansion, because they have the flashlight and different power-ups and stuff. Didn't they have a game like that that came with the Wii U? Yeah, there's a Luigi's Mansion um, mini-game. Well, it's not a mini... I don't know if you want to call it a mini-game. I don't know what to call it. It's a feature uh, in, in Nintendo Land, and it's it's kind of fun. Nintendo Land's a lot of fun if you have, like, young people to play it with. None of my friends that are my age want to play it with me. But there are new ways to buy hats, in, in the new Street Pass update, you'll be able to just flat out pay coins for the hats that you want. And um, you can also unlock full body outfits now for your me. That's the extent of that. Hopefully that actually gets released here soon. Because I'm ready for some new stuff to do with Street Pass. Yeah. I still have a ton of puzzles to unlock. Yeah, I, I do too, but... I, I mostly need pink pieces, and I'm at this point now where almost nobody can give me pink pieces anymore. Right. <laughs> I have a very laissez-faire attitude about those puzzles. Like, if I never finish any of them, I'll be fine with that. I'm not much of a completionist. I guess I look at it, look at it as a, a status symbol. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like having the artwork. I don't know. Like, it's It's part of my whole collection mentality, which is, again, part of why I probably spent so much time playing the game I'm reviewing this episode. Yeah. So, do you want to get started with those reviews now? Yeah, go for it. Okay. They called it The Elder Side. For my game, this week, I'm reviewing, uh... Elder Signs, Omens. 
which is a, a silly game about Cthulhu monsters. If you've ever played the board game Arkham Horror, uh, and there's an Elder Signs board game, uh, you'll you'll know kind of what it's about. But you you play a, a character. Actually, in this version, you play a group of characters. And you have to go through a, a, a museum and like shut down these portals to try to stop an ancient one. So it, it plays very much like the board game Arkham Horror. Not really, because uh, in Arkham Horror, the board game, it was actually one of my favorite board games. You sort of, you sort of like have a lot of different people. the The way the mechanics work in this is really the core of the whole game, and whether you like this game or not depends on how you feel about this mechanic. And instead of like rolling dice to try to defeat a monster or something. Or just, like, survive in a portal like you do in Arkham Horror. To pass these events that happen, you have to match... You have, like, a certain number of dice, and you have to match the symbols that are on the dice to symbols that are on the little icons. It's actually hard to describe. Let me let me see. I'm going to start up a game, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll just try to... And every character that you get... You get four characters per, like, monster. Everyone has a, a special power. Alright. So, you're in the museum, and there's, like, a, a portal. Okay? Or a doorway, like, a, just an event. Here we go. Are you, what, uh, your character, like, what are you? Are you a... You're an investigator. And you're investigating and you, portals. You have four investigators, okay. and these four guys are like in this museum, and they're trying to stop a Cthulhu monster. So, like for the purposes of this game, that con that monster is Haster. Haster is trying to find the King in Yellow, and I have to collect thirteen Elder Signs to seal him away. All right, and so there's a little icon on the map, the museum map, and it says. It's like, okay, this is Lights Out. And in Lights Out, I have to solve three little puzzles in order. Okay? And I get six green dice. One of them is locked. So I'm only going to get five dice for this mission. Okay? And, I, and on those dice, I need to have two skulls, two scrolls, and, th uh, and a little magnifying glass that says three. Alright, so right there, right there, that's only five dice. So if any of them are wrong, I'm going to lose the mission. And so when people, like, review this game on the, the comments for the app, it's like a, by the way, it's like $4.99 on the App Store. It's not free, but it has really good production value, so... It looks cool. Yeah, it has great, it has great art, like animations and stuff. But, like, right now, you can tell, like, you just... It's not worth trying to solve that mission. You know, yeah. you're better off going for something else and trying to get better items. Because if you come back with items, you get two extra dice that are more powerful. They just have better icons. Like, one might be a wild card. Mm. Uh, anyway, so people get 
people are bothered by the randomness of it. And it's very frustrating when you do the same mission four times in a row and you're just like one icon short of solving it. Mm-hmm. But really, it's a, a resource management game. You know, so you have to pick your characters wisely based on their power depending on the actual mission that you're trying to do. So the game is all basically decided by what preparations you make before you actually go into an encounter, and then it's decided by luck after that. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's really... kind of so it's kind of like Risk in that regard. Yeah, well, I mean, it has almost nothing in common with Risk, except that you are able to strategize a little bit. But the thing is, to strategize this game, you mostly have to know like what the Cthulhu monster is going to do. Like, there was one Cthulhu monster I struggled with, and he just made a, a, a ton of monsters. And, like, after, like, 20 minutes of playing, there would be, like, five or six monsters, and so now every single mission required, like, six dice just to pass. So if you get one wrong, then you fail. And it, I found it really frustrating. And that was generally my experience with the whole game. It's like, yeah, I guess it's not totally luck-based... Like, I can see how somebody could could plan ahead and understand all the character powers and what all the items do and, and kind of come at it strategically so that they didn't lose, like, all the time. But for that to happen for me, I feel like a game needs to be rewarding. Because that, that level of strategy... Which is interesting, because I'm actually going to talk about a game that does it much better later on. Um, for that level of strategy, you have to be, like, you have to be invested in it. You have to want to learn the little nuances of what everything does. And this game, for me, it just did not grab me. Like, I, I've only beaten one monster, and it was basically like, hooray, you beat it! Now you play again! <laughs> <laughs> That's so, very rewarding. That's that's the entire NES era of gaming, really. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> sure. You know, um... So, I guess if you like being challenged, then you'll enjoy this game for its aesthetics and for just learning all the nuances that go into it. Or if you're and a Lovecraft me, nerd. Well, yeah. You know, for, for me to, to... For this to really be like a Lovecraft nerd sort of... A, appealing game. Like, I feel like it needs more story. Mm. But there is no story. The story is always the same. It's like, there's a little cutscene, which as far as I can tell is the same for every monster. It's like a museum. There's a lightning bolt. No, monster! Go go stab it with your swords and stuff. And they're like, we have no swords. We'll have to find it underneath this big pile of gelatinous demons. (laughs) I don't know. But even that, I feel like, is more story than was actually in the game. Like, the monsters aren't animated. They're just, like, little... They just they just demand your magnifying glasses. Mm. You have to stuff magnifying glasses down their throats until they die. What? You have to hit them with scrolls and goo. <laughs> so, paper cuts and choking to death is what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much... Well, I mean, in the original... Cthulhu story, they just killed him by driving a boat into him. So these these creatures can be harmed by Well, they didn't really means. kill Cthulhu. They, well, they just made him pop, and he went away. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, 
I guess I didn't. I guess I don't. I kind of hate it. So, but I, I don't have any <laughs> rational reason to hate it. I just found it frustrating. And this because, isn't like this isn't merely because you don't like this kind of game. It's because this game does it poorly. Actually, you... like it, the the game is well designed. Like it is what it is mm-hmm. with a purpose. It's not. It doesn't cheat or anything. Yeah. But I just found it totally unappealing. Like, I have no desire to figure out what all these, like, adventurers do. And, like, there's, like, a million locked adventurers. There's, like, ten. Hmm. There's six, there's twelve. Fourteen. There's sixteen locked adventurers here, and I have no desire to find out what any of them do. I mean, what what is the intended motivation? Do they all have special powers? Yeah, like, you're just supposed to play to unlock new Cthulhu monsters and unlock new... There's, like, there's seven Cthulhu monsters. There's a lot of good content in this game. But, like, my god, I just cannot figure out why anyone would want to play it. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. um, If you like being frustrated by random dice rolling, then I guess this game would be appealing. If you like Cthulhu... Here's the here's the cutscene. Something terrible has begun to awaken. Something unsatisfied by mere exhibition or human study. Writhing with ancient evil and terrible purpose. <laughs> the most generic Cthulhu monster ever. Because it's all of them. It's likely I will be branded as one unhinged for what I'm about to do. I'm convinced such dangers are not new to the human experience. But all he does is, like, unlock the museum and let in four assholes who are hanging out outside. (laughs) I may be damned for my actions, but I will let these homeless people into the museum. (laughs) Or maybe he studied... Maybe he summoned this thing? Obviously, I can't even... I'm watching the thing, and I can't even pay attention to it. You have yet to unravel the story. There's no story. All right. It's long. Like, this, this... The thing is still going long, and all he's doing is going... This is an elder sign. It glows blue. <laughs> so yeah, I stop. I never watched that again. I watched it once, the first time I played, and I watched it again just now. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like I feel like it's just not engaging. Maybe mm. that's me. That's okay. <sighs> yeah, you don't have to like everything or no. anything, as is frequently the case with you. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin has stumbled upon the the rub, which is that I'm known for hating on things that I have no rational reason to hate on. Well, there's a reason that I nicknamed you Bro Times Fuck Miser. <laughs> and it's because you don't give a fuck about anything. You're miserly with your fucks, so... I have none to give. So, fuck you, Elder Scrolls, or Elder Signs. Elder s- <laughs> No, not Elder Scrolls. Elder Spore, that's what I'm calling it now. I don't care about Elder Scrolls either, though. That's the problem. Oh, boy. Well, the next Zelda is inspired by Elder Scrolls, so you better get used to it. The 3DS one? Forgive me, not the next Zelda. The Wii U Zelda. Oh. The the Aonuma, the creator of Zelda, is looking to Skyrim, he said, for inspiration for the next game. Skyrim? Yeah. So he's getting inspired by a game that by the time the next Zelda comes out will be ten years old? 
I think he's merely looking at the scope of the overworld and hopefully like character interaction in the depth of crafting and um, collecting equipment. I don't know. He was very vague. As long as my shield stops breaking, I'm good. I wouldn't count on that happening. (laughs) So anyway, I I completely uh, took the attention away from your review. That's okay. I raid Elder Sign Omens two piles of gelatinous demons out of five. <laughs> so you've only killed two of the five, is what you're saying? I've only killed one. He's one, yeah. I only killed one monster. And it was totally unrewarding. It was just like, the end. Good job. You found 13 Elder Signs. Elder Spore. It's Cthulhu poop. That's what you need to collect. <laughs> it's Maybe it's the uh, pieces that... F- you know, uh, spread out when he ex- when he popped, when he exploded, when they ran the ship into him. Maybe that's what all the goo is. It doesn't matter. That story is weird, by the way. Yeah. Do you ever see that? There's a on Netflix. Uh, there's a yeah, modern the, silent film version. It was good. It's really it was, good. It was, actually. it was good. Yeah. It was very faithful. The like animation, the like Cthulhu island and stuff it was really well designed for being like a low budget independent black and white silent film for sure it was really good I was surprised and the story they got it obviously they got it perfectly yeah alright well I'm going to talk about my game now yeah by all means It's called Dead Trigger. It's for iOS. Um, it's a first-person first zombie shooter. Um, it's from a Czech developer called Madfinger Games, and it's it's been out for about a year. Uh, it recently became free on the App Store, which is why I bought it and thought it was new at the time. But anyway, um, it's most likely uh, free now because they're prepping the release of Dead Trigger 2, due out uh, in the next couple months here, I think. So, mm. yeah... Get ready. Um, upon <laughs> my body is ready. <laughs> I don't know what that means. We'll talk about what that means in a little bit because <laughs> I have I have something for that. Anyway, <clears throat> so when you first boot up Dead Trigger, uh, you get very little story. All you know is that this mysterious plague killed billions of other people, and now you're working with this band of survivors out of a base called New Hope. Um, you and all the other survivors are led by this guy named Julian, who looks a lot like the governor from The Walking Dead. Um, he's just basically I'm sends sure you out. That's, I'm sure that's that. on purpose. Oh, I'm sure it is too, but he doesn't. He doesn't really let on that he's evil, and I have no. I have not found any evidence that he is evil. It's just maybe you're just meant to be like. With this guy's intention. They ran out of budget for artwork, so they just went into a Walking <laughs> Dead comic and pulled out some Charlie yeah. Adler artwork. Potentially. Okay. You're supposed to be sympathetic with the governor in that game. Perhaps. This is a prequel to Walking Dead. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, in this ga- in, in, in Dead Trigger, all Julian, the governor, uh, does, he just, he's your, he's your boss. And he sends you out on all these different missions uh, throughout the city to do different things. And the missions, are, they're just, they're like just varied enough to keep the game fresh for a few hours. Um, I'll give you a, a couple examples of typical like mission structures so 
uh, let's say, kill X amount of zombies in this area, or travel from point A to point B and kill zombies, or defend this position for X amount of time while you kill zombies, retrieve an item and deliver to the rendezvous, rendezvous point uh, as you kill zombies. So Detecting a theme. There's a theme. Uh, these zombies, they're you're run-of-the-mill shamblers and crawlers, but you get the occasional jerk who likes to charge at you like a bull or maybe spit vomit across the room. Um, generally, I they just... That. Yeah. There's, there's like, giant ones, too, like big boss zombies, and I don't know where they came from. They just pretty much ripped them straight out of Left 4 Dead, I think. I don't know. But um, generally, they just like to, like, spawn behind you so you don't know they're there. And they'll creep up behind you and plant a cheap cheap shot in the back of your face or something. Um, mostly they just swipe at you. Occasionally they'll grab you. And when they grab you, um, like a little mini game pops up. And there will be cert- certain points on the zombie's body that you have to tap with your finger. And if you don't do it well, basically they bite you and you're dead. Um, huh. Yeah. It sounds vaguely sexual. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like some of my relationships. You have to hit all their erogenous zones in a specific order. You think you're Um, joking, but... (laughs) No, but um, if you do die, you just lose progress on that mission. They don't take you back too far. So that's that's a good Mm. thing about it. Um, So through all this bloody carnage and dismemberment, you accumulate experience, and you can level up your character. But, I mean, it's not a very robust... uh, upgrade system, you might get additional inventory slots, um, you might get some money, the ability to heal faster, and so on and so forth. Um, it certainly didn't make my bullets hit harder, which would have been nice. Um, at the end of each level, there's these performance-based rewards as well, so it's it's definitely in your best interest to kill a ton of zombies and do it in a timely manner and not get hurt in the process. That's almost completely impossible, but... That's how, that's how their scoring system works. And in addition to the main story quest, uh, of which there's not much story, um, there's a ton of side quests that you'll get from Julian and other survivors. Um, I was actually kind of surprised by the number of, of levels in the game. I don't, I don't generally think of iOS games being this uh, huge, but I mean, I spent hours with this game and just never ran out of missions. They just kept coming and coming and coming. And of course that meant that at some point it was just, it was very overwhelming because I'd have five, six missions open at one point and I would just kind of put my head down and concentrate solely on the main quest because all this arbitrary stuff is too much. Um, It's a very long game. So what's the, uh, what's the graphics and the gameplay like? Like... Okay. The graphics are actually pretty good. Um, they're, They're pretty crisp and detailed um i'd say only really like infinity blade and maybe like the dark meadow are are games that look better on this platform they're very nice um the environments are mostly just corridors through like ruined buildings and city streets Um, occasionally they open up into wire um like bigger areas Uh, but they look nice the art style is a little bit uninspired um you know, it's just very par for the course. And the enemies, their animations, so-so. And there's probably only like 10 zombies. Uh, you'll just fight them over and over and over again. Except on on the uh, like arena missions, 
where there's some themed levels where there's like a Halloween level where the zombies have pumpkin heads. Um, there's a Christmas level where the zombies have Santa and reindeer heads. And then there's a like Olympic stadium level where the runner zombies are in runner outfits. They have little numbers on them. So the developers have a bit of a sense of humor and like to have fun. Um, there's a bunch of weapons you can choose from in the game. Like you start off with your standard stuff like pistols and shotguns. Um, and a few secondary weapons, maybe grenades and mines. There's also these really interesting choices. Uh, one of the machine guns is a very clever wink to uh, old school GoldenEye fans. There's also an <laughs> alien alien laser gun, a brain drill, and uh, the classic chainsaw. Should be no surprise that I saved up all my money for the first few hours of the game just to buy the chainsaw. And it was kind of worth it. <laughs> <laughs> you only get like two seconds worth of gasoline so you have to just like burn, burn. like be very very choice about you're using it now how does aiming work in this game is it sort of like a, a z targeting situation sort of like um metroid prime or is it oh, no. like you you tap on the screen where you want to fire like how does this work yeah well it has on-screen controls a lot like oh they, they sort of mimic your average dual stick shooter you okay. played Call of Duty on an Xbox or PS3, you know how that goes. Basically, half the screen responds to movement, and the other half of the screen uh, responds to aiming. Hmm. Um, and shooting, I should say, as well. I did find myself frequently having to lift my fingers to reset my aim, and if your fingers are smudgy, or, yeah, your fingers are smudgy, if your fingers are making smudges, if they're not clean or whatever, like it gets really frustrating because you'll stop being able to turn around well or stop being able to shoot well. Um, yeah, like you're surrounded by zombies, and I, even when the screen was clean, I just found it very hard to turn around quickly enough to evade their attacks. Um, yeah, I don't know. All in all, I'd say there are a few better choices on the iOS for fans of shooter games and zombie fans. I mean, the Dead Trigger is it's nice to look at, plays okay. I guess my one complaint is the controls could be improved. Um, and it's got tons of hours worth of content, and it's free right now. So, I mean, I can't not recommend it. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of variety in the missions. I, th I think it could keep you busy for a few hours at least. Few people that I, I, I've gone on message boards and stuff, few people have actually, like, finished this game. It apparently just keeps going and going and going for hours. Well, is it, um, is it fun? What would you give it a thumbs up? Oh, well, I don't have a rating scale uh, in it, thought out in advance like you do. I'd, I'd, <laughs> for free, I would give it a thumbs up. If it was a $5 game, I'd be like, nah, the controls are too, too sketchy. Hmm. But being able to chop up some zombies with chainsaws for, you know, a good two hours or more, you know, it's worth, it's worth it. Cool. Yeah. Does it have, like, downloadable content or expansions, or is it just really vast? Of course it has, of course it has uh, in-app purchases, you know, oh. that's, but no, like, actual add-on content. Um, there's, like, 16 weapons you can unlock, so there's a lot to unlock, and you can upgrade your character, and it's just enough that the main mission is, is uh, so substantial, and all the side quests, it doesn't really need upgrades or DLC or anything like that. It'll keep you busy. Cool. Yeah. So I say we get into the real meat of this episode. 
So you're you're ready to hear about some Animal Crossing then, huh? I am. I have been looking forward to this for so long. Yeah, we we all have a lot to say about Animal Crossing. Yeah, I, th- I think this could go on for quite a while. So, Let's all right, well, it. I'll just start off. Um, I've played Animal Crossing. I, I checked the um the the daily um you know the the thing on your 3ds i forget what it's called the thing that keeps tabs on like how long you've played every game the activity yeah. monitor i think yeah the activity monitor i've played for um th- over 35 hours at this point and i still feel barely adequately prepared for the review yeah um which is considering that this is by far more than i've played any of the other games i've reviewed with the possible exception of like the cumulative hours i put into Link's awakening throughout my various playthroughs over the years sure yeah um but this is just a massive game, and I guess, it, I mean, for anyone not familiar with Animal Crossing, it's the sim genre, but it's very different than others I've played in the past. Like, it's not like SimCity, it's not like Harvest Moon. Um, games like uh, Harvest Moon, for example, will emphasize time management while keeping an eye on your stamina to prevent exhaustion, and um, every day is kind of like a rush, like a battle against the clock to try and get everything done that you need to get done, but Animal mm-hmm. Crossing seems to want to be like an entirely an entirely different kind of sim game. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to put more of an emphasis on um, like taking the time to stop and smell the flowers and just like enjoy the game as you're playing it, rather than rushing from point A to point B to get things done. Like, for example, you'll... you'll have like a package that you want to, you know, that one of your villagers wants you to deliver, to deliver to another villager, and you know you'll be on your way there and be like, oh look, there's some bug I don't have yet. So you pull out your bug net and you'll chase that bug around for a while trying to catch it, and you know, and, and there's there's no real time limits on much of anything. There, there'll be certain tasks a villager might ask you to do, but they'll be like, yeah, you know, try to get it done today, please. And you're like, oh, it's 10 a.m., so I guess I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um. And that, that's um, one of the noteworthy things about Animal Crossing is that it takes place in real time. Um, your town residents observe normal business and sleeping hours unless you put specific ordinances in place using your mayoral power. Um, so it kind of, like, ways like that, it sort of forces you to observe Animal Crossing's philosophy of, you know, stopping to smell the roses and enjoying things. And, like, it's a game that will addict you, but you have to be addicted to it on Nintendo's terms. And it's nice to see them encouraging you to take breaks in ways beyond an NPC occasionally saying, you know, you've been playing a really long time, you should take a break. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's three in the morning now, and you have work in the morning, and, you know, nothing's open, you really can't do anything right now. You can run around and look at stuff and, like, rearrange your furniture, but that's the only thing you can do right now. So why don't you go to bed? Right. Um, That being said, like, during, you know, during the hours where things are going on, there is... A ton of stuff to do. Like there's just an overwhelming amount of content. You can take up the collection aspect. You know, you can go fishing. There's bug catching. There's you can catch things on the seafloor in this game, which I understand is new to the series. Um, by yeah. wearing a wetsuit and going diving. Yeah, you that's can, new. Yeah, you can find Nintendo-themed treasures hidden inside fortune cookies. Um, actually, on day three of playing this game, I got um, what's supposedly, I guess, ultra-rare Majora's Mask, so, like, sweet. yeah, I've been wearing that everywhere, it's my pride and joy, like, I love that <laughs> aspect of this game, like, I just have, like, this freaky face anytime I go in there, because that mask is scary. Oh, it possesses you. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna bring the moon down onto your town. Oh, I, th- that would make me really sad, actually. <laughs> well, that's um, the plot of Majora's Mask. I never played it. 
Okay, so I've played through it about three times. Um, this random person who doesn't really matter finds this mask. He steals it, I believe, and it's actually like this old tribal mask, and it's possessed, and it possesses his body, and somehow he like brings the moon down. In in three days, the moon's going to destroy the earth. Well, I mean, I I know the plot of it. I just haven't I haven't played it. Like I didn't I didn't realize that the mask possesses you, but. Like, I knew about the moon and whatever. I just thought the guy was evil and had, like, some kind of chip on his shoulder or something. No, he was he was just lonely. Oh, that's, that's really sad. Yeah. Um, that's a crazy game. <laughs> all right, so in Animal Crossing, um, for the most recent installment, I, I guess being mayor of the town is a new addition to it. Like, they've never done that before. That's yeah, true. this is Animal Crossing New Leaf. It right. used to be Tortimer. Where is Tortimer? Tortimer is on an island taking vacation all day. Oh, so he's and, not retired or dead. Oh no, he's retired. He's he's leading tours of the island, but it's like a private club, and I get the idea that he's not doing it professionally as much as it's just something he does because he really enjoys doing it. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I don't know, managing your town as mayor is really fun. Like I I feel like that's half the game, and I don't know how. I mean, this is my first Animal Crossing game, in case that wasn't already implied enough um, with my previous comments. But, like, I, I can't imagine a previous Animal Crossing where you didn't manage your town, because that seems like half the game to me, you know? Like, they're, you know, adding, like, public works projects, like fountains and bridges and wells and uh, putting ordinances in place where, you know, you can make your town a night owl town, which is the ordinance I ended up putting in place because I, I, you know, I work all day and I come home and I usually have to have stuff I have to take care of. So by the time I get playing, it's usually eight o'clock at night or something like that. And, you know, I, I like being able to have businesses still be open until two in the morning. Yeah. Um, how was that handled in previous games? It was just very um, restricted. You know, you would go You'd get off work at 8 o'clock and you'd go home and be like, oh, all the shops are closed. Most of the villagers are in bed. So I guess I'm going to hunt fireflies. Yeah. You would just not play, really. I mean, <laughs> just wait until winter, Kevin. Just wait until winter. I don't want winter to come. I know. That's from the sound of it. It's There's a lot less to do. The days are shorter. Well, not only that, but like there's there are a few bugs. Um... You know, flowers are all dead. I think the trees... I don't know if the... No, I guess the trees don't lose their leaves, but it's just its just a much slower game at that point. Do they stop producing fruit in the winter? Mm. No. I wish I could remember. I don't remember. Well, at this point, like, you start out... And I didn't realize this. I actually um, didn't, didn't know this until... Um, I was playing with Mike from the Popular Outcasts. So I visited mm-hmm. his town, and... That's when I realized that each town only gets one fruit. Like, I thought maybe they shifted per season. Oh, no. Or something like that. And he, he seemed really excited that I had cherries, because he had either pears or peaches. I can't remember what it was. Uh-huh. And so I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, me being the Animal Crossing virgin, that my fruit is a cherry. <laughs> uh, so is that, you know, I was wondering, is that a case of Nintenuendo? Nintenuendo. <laughs> we can call it that. That's, a, that's okay. a term that Kevin coined in early on in the Sunday Smash days. And I felt like it never got the exposure it needed because nobody read Sunday Smash. Yeah. I did, but I don't remember Nintenuendo. It was the title of one of our episodes. I don't remember uh. which one. So not only is it a vague reference, it's an even vaguer reference because it wasn't an actual punchline. True. <laughs> but, yeah, so, Emerus, what have your experiences with um, New Leaf been? 
Well, uh, I found New Leaf was kind of an impulse purchase because I had such fond memories of the, or the original DS uh, Animal Crossing. Wild so World. I've, yeah, Wild World. And I found uh, the game to be extremely um, relaxing. And yeah. I, I, it's a good purchase. I see and you guys on all the time. Yeah. It's all I want to do. Well, the great thing about it is that you only need to play like one or two hours to accomplish basically everything. All the basic stuff that you take care of on a day-to-day thing, like picking weeds and collecting your fossils and stuff. So you can do all that in like half an hour. Yeah. And then after that, it's all about like making money. So that you can buy all these crazy furniture and like art and stuff for your house, and then like expanding your house with more rooms, and so you you can like the game. I think it it meets its rewarding threshold at like two hours a day. If you play more okay. than that, you're kind of grinding. I feel like. Right. But I go and I like I go fishing for like twenty minutes turn in the fish, and then I put it away. Because I, 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 I accomplished a little bit. And it's just fishing, so it's not like it's super addictive. It's just really calming. And the music is wonderful. Caught any rare fish? I caught a I caught two colacanth. So nice. I put one in my museum. And I have one in my, in my kitchen. I just... I, like, in other video games, the... the the museum is such kind of kind of like a weird um, experience for me in, in terms of video games because while I like museums in real life, I, I never actually like going into games and reading lore or anything like that. But there's something about building a museum out of things that you've caught, you know, yourself yeah. and going through it and looking at it and reading all the flavor text of everything. And like I actually found myself the other day walking through my museum and just reading about the bugs and the dinosaurs that I had found. Does, and it, still, does it still give you, like, actual educational information about yeah. them? That's yeah, awesome. it does. I love that about the, those games. For me, the the aquarium is the best. Yeah. I just find the Animal Crossing aquarium to be so, like, calming. You can adjust the camera and you just look at the tanks full of sharks and fish. Like, you just swim around. It's just very, uh, it's very nice. And I, I really, I really enjoy fishing on the island because I, like, I always find new stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I end up like, I'll, I'll take an island trip and I'll come back with like a one hundred thirty thousand bell haul from that. Jeez. Yeah, I just, yeah. Like, well, I, I just, I throw back all the sea bass because I don't want them. <laughs> What's the sea bass joke in this game? Because there's always a different sea bass joke. What? You again? Uh, yeah, yeah, that. That's not yep. less clever, but. Well, some well, of guess... them are really clever. One of my favorites is the saw shark. Mm-hmm. You catch a saw shark, and it's like, well, it didn't see me coming. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I mean, the 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 plane shark also has a really good one too. It's like. I caught a shark. Why am I holding it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. Yeah, like all of the, all of the, uh, you, you can tell that like a lot of attention to detail and a lot of love went into 
the translation of this game. Like, these people clearly had fun with what they were doing and enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because the, I mean, the content is top-notch. Like, as, as far as... There's a lot as, of it, too. Oh my gosh, there's so much. It's a lot of it's dialogue. Insane. There's a ton of it. And as far as, um, like, Animal Crossing almost, for me retrains me on like the way I've been playing video games for the last I don't know 20 years um like I you know I'm I'm a highly competitive person when it comes to games like I I don't I don't like I don't like losing I go everywhere at you know top speed I try to get things done as quickly as I can yeah and when I first started playing Animal Crossing you know I was running all over the place and you know trying to get things as done as quickly as I could and not talking to my villagers and just like, oh, I just gotta get this done because, you know, I, I have something else I want to do after that and and I was treating it very much like I was just running errand after errand, but you know, yeah. actually getting to know my villagers has been really rewarding and like, you know, helping them out with yeah. you know, finding things that they want to have, like pieces of furniture or specific fish or insects or something like that. No, yeah. have you had any move out? No. Uh... That's no, when I... the game. That's when the game gets heavy. Oh really? <laughs> I had I've one... had. Go ahead. I had one guy. He said he was thinking about moving out because he wasn't fitting in, and I was like, "No, don't leave." Yeah, and you I can beg him... them like a like a crazy ex girlfriend. <laughs> I wrote him a letter and I sent him fruit wrapped up in wrapping paper. Oh yeah, I I, I mean I've had a couple of animals say that they were thinking about leaving, but all it really seemed to take was me saying, no, don't do it, and they're like, alright, well, I feel like I fit in now. Yeah, wait till you don't play for, like, two weeks. If you, like, <laughs> for some reason don't play the game for a little while, number one, when you come back, they'll be all like, where have you been? It's been this long since you've been gone, giving you this whole guilt trip, and then a few <laughs> of them will just be gone, and you'll have letters in your mailbox that are complete, terribly depressing. That's really sad. It's actually, it's <laughs> It can be very sad, especially when they're cool characters. What are what yeah. are some of your favorite characters that you guys have in your towns? I have a kangaroo named Rooney who is really moody and standoffish, and people are kind of <laughs> scared of him. <laughs> and he might be my favorite because every, he always says like, "Hey, Kevin," and his like I don't know if previous games had this or not, but where like they all have like a little catchphrase that they use. Sure, yeah. and you can you can actually like suggest them to change them at some point too. Right. Well, Rooney has not asked me to change his catchphrase, and at this point, I don't think I ever will, because his catchphrase is punches. So he'll be like, hey, Kevin, punches. <laughs> and I love it. Weird. <laughs> I have well, a, a bear in my town who likes to work out. So he's always <laughs> talking about working out. I think I had him in, like, Wild World or something. Yeah. His catchphrase is Lil Bear. Yes! I did. What's his name? Be like, I can't remember his name. He'll <laughs> be That's like, fun. "What up, little bear?" And everyone in my town has started calling me E Guy. Oh no! <laughs> Which is That's awesome because like people call me that in real life. They're like, "What, what? up, E?" Like oh, Emster. They call me E Guy. I like that yeah, a lot. Yeah, if one of your villagers like randomly makes a nickname for you and then you don't say that you hate it, like other villagers will catch on. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Really? Yeah. Because everyone's about to start calling me old dog, if that's true. <laughs> they are. They <laughs> are going to be calling you old dog. Oh, my. Uh, another one of my favorite villagers, I have this cat dressed up as a ninja named Kid Cat. Oh, man, yeah. 
And I, I don't remember what his original catchphrase was, but I changed it. So yeah. he now always says, Claws for alarm. Claws for alarm. I, I thought Kid Cat, maybe Kid Cat's different in the new one. I remember him from the DS one. Um, he was dressed like a Power Ranger or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it is a Power Ranger. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Weren't Either... Power Rangers ninjas at one point, though? Sure. Something you can get, like, a, a basically a Power Ranger outfit for this game, if it's anything mm. like the other games. And it I, actually, like, makes funny noises and stuff. Like I saw the helmet, but I already had Majora's Mask at that point, so I've just right. I've stopped buying clothing. <laughs> I actually, I'm really close to getting the full Varia suit. I just need the pants. That's oh, really cool. Does it make any cool noises? Not yet. Well, I haven't worn it, like, complete yet, so... Okay. Does it have an arm gun? I don't know. That'd be I just amazing. got the shirt today. Yeah. I have the helmet and the shoes. I just need the pants. So I like walk around with my Varia suit and just shorts. Great shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little silly. That's amazing. There's a there's a like a ram in my town called um, Carlos. And he has like this little Mexican hood thing, like the the poncho or whatever. Oh yeah. Funny. They How about so, Lucky? Anybody seen Lucky? Not yet. Lucky's a dog, but he's just completely covered in bandages. You can only see one of his eyes. Oh yeah, the <laughs> mummy dog. Yeah. <laughs> I beg him to stay in my town every single game. I have yet to see him. I think I think actually that villagers from one person's town, if they move out, they like will go to another person's town and take their new catchphrase with them. Often, yeah. Because you can report, you can report animals in your town if they're speaking in vulgarities. Oh, you can report nice. them to your secretary and be like, "This guy is swearing." Now, secretary, that's new. Yeah, it's one of the mayoral perks. Yeah, it's a. I forget what her name is. Do you remember what her name is? It's a, it's a little dog thing. Yeah, hmm. Lucille maybe. Can you bend her over your desk? No. <laughs> but oh. it does. You know, it does bring a whole new meaning to. Um, if you mess up, to, it does bring a whole new meaning to screwing the pooch. <laughs> Speaking of these villagers, well, they're, like, they're surprising how much you can interact with them before it becomes repetitive, in that yeah. it never actually becomes repetitive. Even though they're just, like, pretty simple AIs... You can, like, write them letters, and they write back, and it's actually, like, surprisingly engaging to type things out to these characters, even though they can't mm. actually read. Yeah. They have no idea what you're saying. So, first of all, you can say anything you want. I like to be a little bit suggestive. <laughs> Just like, like, telling um, Curlos that his horns are arousing. <laughs> You know, I started playing the game with that usual mindset that I had where, like, you know, I would I would try to make my residents say something filthy. Like, for example, the, the, my rhino, I have a rhino named Meringue, and yeah. her um, her front horn is actually a, a slice of pie. What? Um, yeah, it's, it's really bizarre. But she asked me for a new catchphrase, and I was like, and I don't, again, I don't remember what she said before, but I was like, your new, your new word, your new catchword, cornhole. 
<laughs> so now Joey says cornhole, and now I feel kind of bad about it because like my my yeah. whole mentality on this game has changed a little bit. Like yeah. since I started playing it, like I'm I'm less like I just I don't know. I take this game a little more seriously than I guess I take other games. That being said, the first time I ever went to my friend Amanda's town, I did use my shovel to write dicks in her lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can sort of defile other people's towns. That's yeah, that's not, totally. that's not normal. Well, I I wouldn't say I'm a normal person. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Well, it, it, in the other games, you you definitely couldn't mess around with their house, but I didn't remember you being able to do much damage to their town. Maybe you I'm can, wrong. Like, dig holes. You can okay. always dig holes and like pull up their flowers and chop down their trees and stuff. Can you visit other people's towns when they're not there? No. No. So she watched you do this. Uh, well, she lost track of me for a while, (laughs) (laughs) and I mean, like, a while, because I was, like, it took me a while to do this, and, yeah, Yeah. I... I buried a dirty pair of pants in Kevin's yard. (laughs) I have yet to find them. I saw saw the note that you left that you had done this, (laughs) and I figure I'll find them someday. I found this pair of Arctic camo pants. And at the time, I just had the default shorts. So when I put these pants on, I couldn't take them off. Like, I, you don't actually have shorts, apparently, when you start the game. So the pants just took the place of the shorts that I liked. And they looked they looked like dirty sweatpants. Are you a never-nude? No. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, in the game. Apparently. Like the default status is never-nude. Apparently you are. But they looked like dirty sweatpants to me, so I was like, I gotta get rid of them. So Kevin loaned me a pair of formal pants, which are really nice. And so I decided I would bury my dirty sweatpants in Kevin's village. It's the only way to repay someone who's done something friendly for you. Well, yeah, I mean, I gave him a present. <laughs> now, you need, to, you need to actually say what you refer to the sweatpants as. You don't refer to them as dirty sweatpants. <laughs> Alright, well, Kevin was like, Kevin asked me if I jizzed in them, and that's why they were stained. So I was like, sure, I guess so. I must have. So you can have my jizz-stained sweatpants. <laughs> they are so I, buried in my town somewhere. Yeah, I, I did a good job of hiding them. You'd have to see the X somewhere. Well, does it? Does an X show up for that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming they're behind a building. I was figuring I had to like just dig in random places to find it. No, no, it does have the like the same thing with the fossils. Okay. Show. Well, I've yet to find them. Yeah. So, how is online play in the game? It's really good, actually. Yeah. Like, it, it works really well. It's intuitive. It's not hard to figure out how to do it. Um, like day one, I just you know I like I didn't read a I didn't read the game manual or anything. I just jumped on and. You know, I was like, well, it's, it asked me if I wanted to visit someone who was near or far away. I said far away, and I went to Emerson's town, and I stole one of his flowers from his flower bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, I stole his fossils. Uh, he did. Yeah, can you voice chat? Really... No. no. Uh, so there's one downgrade. There is, there, there is, um, oh, you could, you could voice chat in other games? Only in the Wii one. Well, that kind of makes sense, though, like. I don't know. That that seems more like a console feature than a DS feature necessarily anyway. But I mean there's still the text chat which is adequate. Yeah, you have like half a sentence worth of space. Yeah. 
And you can send um, messages to each other if you're not in the same town, as long as you're best friends with each other. We're best friends. Yeah, we are. How does one establish that you're best friends? You just check a box. Only it's not a box, it's a heart. You checked your heart for me? I did. So that I could bury my just stained sweatpants in your yard. (laughs) Nasty. Did they include any of the, the, the games in this one that you can play in multiplayer? Um, the island games, like if you go to the island, there are um, like mini games that you can play with a group of people. Mm-hmm. But you have to buy um, a club member pass, which is something like... Th- there's a different kind of currency on the island that's mm-hmm. not as easy to come by as bells are. Uh, you have to play mini games to, um, to uh, win the medals and so you if you pay 50 medals you get a a club membership and that enables you to um go to the island with you know people whose friend codes you have and then you can play mini games with them i haven't used that at all i've just i've just played mini games by myself Uh, yeah i I played a multiplayer mini game how was it it was fun actually what was it um it was just fishing you had to dig up as fish up as many tropical fish as we could in a time limit. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much in the in the Wii version, and maybe the DS, I'm not sure, that one, one of the games you did, there was like a fishing yeah. kind of contest, but there was also like, you could, I think, race people, and you could play hide-and-go-seek with your friends. Um, so when we were playing, I was, I was pretty happy with the multiplayer, because uh, it was cooperative. I liked that. And so we, we like doubled the fish limit that we were supposed to get. Nice. But then, so we all we got like the you, you get a gold medal and you get a certain number of medals. And then it was like now we'll judge which one of you contributed more. And then one person got two me- extra medals and one person got so you get bonus medals for doing it in multiplayer. And I really like that because like you can compete a little bit, but it's not like you're you're hinging your success on competition. So I thought that was really cool. That is an interesting mix of co-op and and competition. Do you guys have a lot of Nintendo items? Yeah. Um, I'm working on I'm working on a Super Mario room for my first floor. This fortune cookie thing is totally new. Oh, they didn't do that in previous games. No. Well, the 3DS has the play coins, so you Uh paid play coins to get the fortune cookies. Interesting. And they always have a new Nintendo item in them. No, sometimes you get nothing. If you get nothing, then they give you a regular item from the game. Okay. Um, well, my what what I have so far is I've gotten like a as far as like floor tiles, I've gotten the uh, like the block flooring from Super Mario Brothers One. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> cool. I have um, a like a regular brick block from the Mario games, and yeah. I have. Um, a fire flower, a Yoshi egg, and a Koopa shell. Nice. So that's what I have decorating my first floor right now. I'm kind of trying to make the whole thing like a Mario theme. They're still all interactive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you um, press the uh, like the blo- like if you select the block or whatever, like it makes a a noise like when you hit the block with your head in Mario, and Sweet. you know the fire flower makes the shooting a fireball noise. And nice. I have a uh, in the Wii game. I have. Um... Like one of those fire, spinning fire rods from Bowser's Castle in the first game. I can't remember what they're called, but <laughs> it just it ha- plays in a in a in a vicious evil loop. 
the song from Bowser's Castle in the original Super Mario Brothers for NES. And so going into my house is like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I so stressed out when I'm at home? <laughs> that is a classic song, though. Yeah. I've gotten a bunch of items from Mario Kart. Like, just oh. today I got three spinning red shells that constantly make a noise unless you turn it off. <laughs> my house is completely cluttered with, with crap because I yeah. never sell any of it. Mm-hmm. And I just, actually, you were talking about racing. I'm amazed by how deep this game is because I just today started tripping all over the place when I would run. I was like, oh. why am I falling on my face? At first I thought it was because it was raining. Okay. And, like, my fishing was terrible today. And so oh. I was like, what the hell is going on? And so I went online, and I looked up tripping, and it was like, oh, apparently you have bad luck. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know what happened. I put a lucky clover in my house. Uh-huh. And I think that's what did it. I think I got a four-leaf clover, and it's given me bad luck. Weird. What if you carry it on you? I, I, I read the guide online, and it was like, yeah, put it in your house, and it counts as a lucky item. That's weird. But, like, as soon as I did it, I started tripping all the time. Yeah, there was items in the previous games that did that, like a King Tut mask that you just always trip. <laughs> I think it had, I think that actually had high luck, but every time, everywhere you went, you tripped, or something like that. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah there's some bizarre. really weird stuff. Have you guys found any ghosts? No. No, not to, yet. You have to play it, like, one in the morning or something like that, probably. I mean, I, I don't... That's when I do most of my playing. I haven't oh, seen really? any of this. Yeah, in I mean, in the world, I found uh, a UFO. Yeah, there were in the original games, the first two at least, if not all for three, there were UFOs that would come down. You could shoot them down with the slingshot and then take their yeah. items. Like I got a Metroid uh, in a in a in like a stasis tank. I have one of those from shooting down the UFO. When you when you highlighted it, it would play the Metroid music. Yeah, I have one of those, but I got it from a fortune cookie. Hmm. All right, I don't have a slingshot yet. How do I get one? You have Just to wait it. for you have to wait for the Nook shop to upgrade. That happened. Nookling Junction. Well, yeah. then he'll just he'll just have it one day. Oh, okay. I, I was asking this earlier, but uh, got sidetracked. Where is Tom Nook these days? He's in his house selling you um, real estate. Okay. But. He so you actually, still have to pay off your home loan to him. He doesn't. Yes. He doesn't like proactively put you in debt though. Hmm. Like in the old games, Kevin never played them before. In the old games, you would show up in town, and Tom Nook would be like, "Hey, welcome to town. You owe me a hundred thousand dollars because I gave you a house." <laughs> <laughs> what if I don't want a house, Tom Nook? Why did you enslave me? And it was always very sinister. <laughs> But in this yes. game, he's like, okay, you can have a tent. I'll just give you this tent, and then if you want a house, you have to buy one. Can you decorate and the tent? Before, before you can do any mayoral stuff, you have to buy a house. So uh, It um, does kind of give you the option of not being in, in permanent debt to Tom Nook if you don't want to be. Which is a nice change of pace from just being permanently enslaved. But then you have nowhere to put your stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, well, you have a tent. You have a tent, but it's very tiny, so yeah. you can put, like, two items in it. Because, yeah, you'd show up, he'd be like, alright, I give you a house, now you owe me 200,000 bells, 
So what I'm going to do is put you to work. Now find me a cherry. You're like, but Tom, no, I don't want a job. I want to relax. It was always very sinister to me. Yeah. I, 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 you know, even though I had to pay my debts to Tom Nook in the previous games, I loved him so much I bought a Tom Nook stuffed animal. Oh, yeah, I mean, obviously I showed, having the biggest house possible is awesome. Like, But I showed it to my brother and, and my brother-in-law and my sister uh, when we were on Skype one time. I think he called Tom Nook a son of a bitch or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, he he's really apparently softened in his old age because I have none of this animosity towards him that you guys have. No, I don't. It's, but clearly, Jeff and and and, and Emerus do. Yeah, I mean, I did not like being told that I had like I had to buy a house. Yeah. And like, if you if you maxed out your house, he would automatically make it bigger. And now yeah. you can ask well... him to make it bigger. Well, if you if you think about it, that, that that is that is a really weird thing in real life. Like if somebody came up to me and told me like, "Oh, you have to buy a house, and now you owe me all this money," I would be really mad. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a reason that that I rent. It's because I don't want to own anything like that right now. Yeah. So what's KK Slider up to these days? So I just got the club. It's gonna open up in a few days. <laughs> Are there flyers all over town? No, you have to get a petition, though. You have to get Ooh. all of your citizens to sign a petition. Wow. So, yeah, the club is going to open up, and then he'll show up. But initially, there's no sign of him. Really? That's depressing. He yeah, is creepy looking, though. No! What even is he? He's a dog. He's a white dog with big eyebrows, who's based yeah. on... Oh, wait, no, that's not what I got to open up the club. I got, like, some weird oh, yeah, no, animal creepy, thing. like, some kind of beaver or something. <laughs> I have no idea what he is, but he's, he's like, terrifying. He's like pink and has spiky hair. Yes. Scunch or something. Yeah. Well, I don't know who that is. No, KK Slider, he's a white dog with big yeah. fat eyebrows. Oh, okay. I know who you're talking about, although I have yet to see him in the game. I've just seen him from artwork online. If you like he... being sung to by Cap'n, you will love KK Slider. I love when Cap'n sings to me. His lyrics are silly, but I can't get well, enough of them. Cap'n has funny lyrics. KK has melodies that'll make you swoon. Ooh, well, I, I'm, I'm very excited about Now, in this. the old games, he played guitar for you yeah. um, in different places in different games. I guess in this one, though, he's a DJ, and I, I'm kind of annoyed with that decision. Speaking of DJs, um, I, I, ha I do have to note the distinction that Whenever Emerson and I talk now, we have to <laughs> specify whether something is in real life or an Animal Crossing. <laughs> like, I, I sent him an instant message the other day. I was like, I just got some turntables. And Emerson replied, oh, do you want to DJ my 4th of July party? I was like, no, I meant an Animal Crossing, <laughs> not in real life. <laughs> well, I am, I am shocked, Kevin. Like, I did not know you that... I would not think you would take to this game so well. I expected a totally snarky Kevin review here. You know, I, I was expecting... Like, I I was not expecting to like this game this much. Like, when, you know... Like, I didn't even really necessarily decide that I wanted to review Animal Crossing. Like, it was just kind of like, oh, you could review Animal Crossing. Like, and I was like, oh, I guess I could do that. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking, like, I mean... 
how is this going to be any different than Harvest Moon, where I just, you know, like, I, where I play it for a while, and then I just stop caring, and where, like, no, Animal Crossing has grabbed me, and I, I kind of regret buying the cartridge, because I would much rather have it actually installed on my 3DS so I can play it wherever I am, because Uh... there, there is going to come a point in time where, I buy a different game, and I, you know, I don't have Animal Crossing with me everywhere that yeah. I go, and I don't know. Some of my villagers move out, and that yeah. actually that makes me really sad to think about. I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get a ton of weeds. You're going to yeah. a bunch of people that are going to move out, and every time you play the game, everybody's going to be like, "Where have you been? I missed you." <laughs> and then there's going to be a bunch of cockroaches in your house too that you have to squish. Yeah. <sighs> the cockroaches are awful. Yeah, because but I can you... put one in my museum. That's true. One. The other 50, though. <laughs> oh, I don't like that thought. Yeah, that's that's months down the road. In the other, other games, if you did a favor for the ghost, he would pull all the weeds in your town. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Was like a few, there was a handful of options. If you, if you did whatever he needs you to do... Um, he would grant you like a wish and you had like maybe three to five wishes and one of them was yeah pull all the weeds in town so far i've been dedicated about pulling my own weeds so good yeah i think just what a large part of what this game has done to avert the normal snarky review that it would get is in just the presentation you know like the the graphics and the sound particularly uh-huh. uh like you know I'm not. I don't necessarily have a preference as far as art styles go, as long as it's distinctive. You know, as long as it like differentiates itself from everything else that I've been looking at for so long. Okay. And Animal Crossing has very, um, you know, definitive character designs. Um, the graphics are bright and cheerful. It knows what kind of game it is, mm-hmm. and it doesn't shy away from being that. Um, the personality traits of your villagers. Um, and and everything from that aspect, the 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 sound, you know, the the music is. I mean, it's not what I would call necessarily noteworthy, but it's very laid back and soothing. Um, the animal voices, that you know, they speak in the gibberish, and it's cute. And I love when I go on a get on a boat to go to the island, and Captain sings these silly songs with ridiculous lyrics. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, like. Even though it seems like the kind of game that I would normally make fun of to death, it's just, it's really charming, and I want to spend time there. That's great. Yeah, I think that's the key of to the game, is that it's very dedicated to the single purpose of just being silly and charming. And, like, and laid back. It's the polar opposite of what I'm playing right now. Yeah. So I mean it's 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 interesting. I mean you know in, in the modern game world with all the halos and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This kind of game the same people can be like this game's amazing. Well, we actually, you know, we have a Facebook group right now of just people, you know, from uh the popular outcast network group that are playing yeah. animal crossing and you know like trading tips and like visiting each other's villages and trading fruit and all no kinds kidding. of things how many of yeah. you are there there's like 15 in the group right now oh my gosh yeah it's pretty cool actually we all exchange friend codes and 
you're gonna you're gonna buy it, Mark. Don't. I don't know. Don't prevaricate. I, it's only thirty five dollars. Yeah, but I just spent eighty five this week <laughs> on games, and I want to get I want to get the Dungeons and Dragons game for Wii U, and I want to get I still haven't bought Darkstalkers my PS three and Tokyo Jungle. There's so many games that are like they're not backlogged because I don't actually own them. It's like this list of games that I want to buy that's getting backlogged. Yeah. Well, you might as well, you know, those games will go down in price. You might as well buy Animal Crossing now because it's a first-party Nintendo title, which means that it will always be the same price. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Gosh, well, man, I talked about this in the last episode. It's so annoying that, like, the first Animal Crossing game for GameCube, you had to trade uh, memory, not trade memory cards, but you have to take a memory Mm -hmm. card to a friend's house, and that's how you'd visit their town. And I knew yeah. one person. No, sorry. I knew two people that owned the game. And I played with them each once. And then um, DS, I never knew anybody that yeah, had it. Either. Wii version, um, my sister and her husband owned it. And I played with them a handful of times. And then I was like, after that I was kind of burnt out. Because I feel like I've done done it all and seen it all with this series. That's what I'm scared is spending 40 bucks and being like, oh, yeah, there's the initial charm and then it all wears off and then it just feels like I'm at work again. Well, you're not spending 40 bucks. It's $35. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's the there's the grind aspect of it, which is maybe the one complaint that could be made about Animal Crossing is that once you get past a certain point. It does become a lot of just fishing for money. Mm-hmm. I find bug hunting to be much more profitable, to be honest with you. I just don't like bug hunting. It it, it might be marginally more profitable, but I just don't. What like you it. What you guys need to do is play the stock market. Well, yeah. But with the like, turnips. Yes. I'm bad at that. I. I didn't sell my turnips this week because I just kept waiting for them to go up in price. There was only one day where I wouldn't have been taking a loss on them. That is, yeah. the, like, if there's such thing as a pro player in Animal Crossing, that is what the pro players do to make money in that game. Well, I don't understand how you can make that much money. You you only do it once a week. Like, cool. you buy the you buy the number of turnips that you're, that you're going to have for the entire week. And then it's, like, the best that I ever saw it was, like, I had to pay... Um, something like 110 bells per bunch of turnips, and the best that I saw was you could get, you could sell your turnips for 200 bells. That's that is, but that's like 100. percent That's huge. Yeah. So I was waiting. I was waiting for it to be better than that. No, and I just that's, that's a rare I, opportunity, actually. Well, yeah. my turnips rotted this week. Oh no! Well, yeah. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah. See, but what what you end up doing is you throw like three hundred thousand in coins at the turnip lady, and then you sell them for double. That thing's a chick. Yeah, Joan. His name Joan, is yeah. Joan. <laughs> oh, Joan I didn't before. notice what name it was. Yeah, she she just calls looks, you a wee just, radish. Yeah, she's just wearing the old Russian babushka thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's a yeah. warthog. Like most Russian women. So, do we want to move on to the nostalgic portion of our show? Sure, go right ahead.
So, for this episode in uh, our portable past, I'm going to review Advance Wars for the uh, Game Boy Advance, which isn't the most nostalgic portable game ever since it's only like, it was. It came out in 2001, but I have very fond memories of it. And Kevin and I used to play that game for hours against each other. So uh, I was like, well, I gotta go back and play Advance Wars. So I got the emulator because I couldn't actually find any way to play it. I don't. I no longer have a Game Boy. So I got the emulator for the Game Boy Advance. I've been playing it on uh, cartridge emulator. And my first impression was that the music, the opening music, was great. Uh, it has this great like beat. And uh, it's really like a little bit metal. I thought it was awesome. And I got into the tutorial. And so I'm playing the tutorial and I'm. And it's going through all of the mechanics. And like, I'm just reminded how deep this game is. Like, there's terrain and defensive bonuses and like movement modifiers. And different weapons are more effective against different types of enemies. And it's just crazy the depth. That's an advanced wars. I, I will jump in and echo that. That the the depth in this game is ridiculous when you consider that it it, it was a portable game, and yeah. you know like all the things that we added through terrain and all the different units that were available and how mm-hmm. they all have different functions and some don't necessarily have you know attacking features but they have different important features nonetheless like refueling your units even if they right. can't attack themselves. Yeah. Um, like, like your, your units it, have ammunition and fuel that you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's and and anyone who has um for anyone who has played um, Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS, it's actually by the same developer, Intelligent Systems, and a lot of the same uh, a lot of the same aspects have been carried over, like such as terrain. Yeah. And it's even it, visually, it looks very. Similar from right. like you know the top-down viewpoint, the grid-based combat. But yeah, go, go on. So, um, the it's a turn-based strategy game where you have little army men, and you have like infantry and different types of vehicles and air units and sea units, and they all have different functions and like they can target different types of of enemies and they're more effective against some than others. So. There's really a lot to keep track of. Uh, and there's a, a lot of tactics to it. While I was playing, I thought, oh, you know, I'll breeze through the tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll get to the campaign. And that was a, a few days ago that I started it. And I just finished the tutorial today. Wow. Because it's actually, like, it takes a really long time to play. So... I was thinking more about my, like, nostalgic memories of playing Advance Wars, and I was like, you know, I remember playing this game for hours, but I don't actually remember playing that many different games. And the reason for that is because it takes, like, two hours to finish a full, complete, competitive game of Advance Wars. Can you save in the middle of a battle? Yeah, you can save, like, whenever you want. Okay. And come back to it later. It's actually really, like, friendly to that. Like, it it knows how complex it is. But, man, I was not prepared for just the amount of 
thought that you have to put into put into it. Um, I did eventually finish the tutorial, and that's when you unlock the campaign and all the stuff that comes with it, and it's really a rewarding game. Like, for being made in 2000 for the Game Boy Advance, like, it just has such great stuff that you can unlock. Uh, you get coins for playing, and you can spend your coins to get new maps. Cool. Yeah, and there's a ton of maps with all different kinds of, of conditions, like some of them are pre-deployed, where you have a set number of units and you have to win using just those units. And then there are some where you build your units as the game goes on, so you can develop your own strategy and like put your own spin on things. And then there's all different kinds of commanding officers, and so each commanding officer has a special power. And you get to unlock those as you play through the campaign. And so, like, even when you're done with the campaign, you're not anywhere done with the rest of the game, because you still have all these maps where you can, like, get ratings. Uh, for Advance Wars 1, you want to get an A rating. I actually got a B rating in one of the tutorial missions, which made me extremely frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> because I did not want to play through it again just to get an A and I realized, like, the reason... Like, I never finished Advance Wars Dual Strike, which is the the DS Advance Wars game. I never finished it just because I spent so much time trying to get an S rating on a map. Like a... a, a versus map. Like, versus the artificial intelligence. I just... And I would play it for an hour, and then I would make one tactical error. One tactical error... And, like, my line would dis dissolve, and they would, like, sweep through a key, like, defensive structure, and then I'd have to rebuild from scratch. And it would take me another hour just to get to the same point again. And the game is just very, like, it's very serious strategy, and the AI does not, like, it does not screw around with you. No, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do you any favors at all. Yeah. Um... But what's really cool about the game is in all the commanding officers. Like, they all have... Yeah. It's not It's not just that they have powers. Like, they have... You know, you have a, a, a meter where they have a special skill. Like, for example, one of the commanding officers named Andy, if mm -hmm. you use his power, will heal all of his units by, like, one hit point. Two hit points. Two hit points? Sorry, my yeah. mistake. It's been, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, Two hit points out of ten. Every unit has ten hit points. Right. Which is pretty substantial. Like, these powers can change the tide of battle, but even oh, yeah. even aside from, like, activating their powers, like, each character has a different thing that they specialize in. Like, Max, for example, is a master of direct combat. Right. So all of his, you know, his infantry, his tanks, all of his vehicles, you know, his choppers, everything are much stronger in mm -hmm. combat, but all of his indirect weapons, like artillery and rockets and anything else like that, are much weaker and their attack range is reduced. Yeah. So every character has kind of like something that they excel in and something that they're kind of weaker in. Right. And so that, that adds all kinds of different strategy to it, like, depending on what map you know, like, there's something, like, if there's something on the map that, like, oh, well, you know, this map, I think I want to go for more of, you know, a, uh, an airborne strategy. Like, you would want to choose a character who's better in the air. Right. 
Is there one of those characters in the first one? I forget. I know that yeah. there is in the second one. Okay. Well, I actually, I actually don't remember because uh, I, I didn't get very far into the campaign, just like two or three missions. Um, because the the roster of of commanding officers is huge. But let's let's be honest. the The campaign is really only half of Advance Wars. Oh, by yeah. The multiplayer yeah. is where this game really shines. Yeah. I've only done that once. It's really intense, uh, especially when you get into fog of war. Oh my gosh! There's so much. There's so much tactics and strategy that you can put into it. It's crazy. Like the the best, I think the best way of playing it, and this will take you, this will take you like a straight up four hour game. It's like a game of Risk, you know. Oh, I've played I I played Risk games shorter than Advance Wars games. It's when you. Each are making your own units, like you have unit building facilities, and you have fog of war on. Because you will be so paranoid about moving out that you will play so conservatively, and you'll build up these like huge lines of of ranged units that just destroy everything that comes in, and then you'll like slowly creep towards each other over the course of like day after day of like each turn is a day. And then, then you'll like be back and forth and like maneuvering for an advantage, and it's very, uh, it's very crazy. It's like a really now, slow like, game of chess. Well, th- what this brings up for me is one of my most fond memories of Advance Wars, which is: Do you remember back in 2004 when all of us took that road trip to Georgia? Yeah. Like we all, like all of us jumped in the Amish van yeah. that our friend. Nate's parents owned and drove to Georgia from Pennsylvania and on that trip we just we had a Game Boy Advance that had Advance Wars in it and we just we, we set it up for four players and we just passed the Game Boy around the van and that was how we drove to Georgia that was what passed the time okay two questions okay describe to those who may not know what an Amish van is <laughs> Well, it's obviously a comic strip. Yes. Don't encourage people to look that up. <laughs> that was the first. That was the first uh, collaboration between Kevin and I. It's what sparked. It's the kindling that ignited this this podcast bonfire that we have burning right now. I remember reading Amish Van back in like 2002 or 2003. Oh yeah, that sounds about right. But what is a uh, the actual van? What does an Amish van look like? It's big and blue. Windowless? That's... Or no? No, it has windows. Okay. Yeah, we're not The Amish don't traditionally drive motor vehicles. Yeah. The Amish aren't allowed to have their own cars, so they're known for going around in horses and buggies. But if you actually live around the Amish, like in Pennsylvania there's a lot of Amish people, they will hitch rides in big groups... And so you'll get people like farmers out in the country who will own a van, and they will, I guess, ferry these masses of Amish people to Walmart. <laughs> so you'll see in Walmart all the time all these Amish people shopping. That's what it was like in central Pennsylvania. Horses yeah. and buggies. Which is still my daily life. Amish people yeah. in Walmart. <laughs> and, and why were you guys going to Georgia? Why on earth were you going to Georgia? Um, didn't Randall's parents have a timeshare in a condominium down there? I think maybe. And 
Yeah, no, that that's what it was. Yeah. And like they they didn't they didn't have the time to go down there that year, so they had asked Randall if he wanted to go down, and he took us with him. Yeah, cool. something like that. We it was actually nice. We we went like hiking and hung around in in the country, more or less. And the condo was beautiful. Yeah, we we had a we had a no video game rule instituted for that week. That's yeah. insanity. Well, otherwise we would have spent the entire time playing Advance Wars. Right. <laughs> Did you do in the ride home as well? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Actually, I think we broke that no video game rule, or it was like instituted halfway through the trip because we were playing so much. No, it was it was instituted before we went down, and then we ended up breaking it halfway through the week. <laughs> is what happened. Oh yeah, yeah. It it was it was changed to no single player video games. I see. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, that was a good trip. It was a good. It was a good trip. I have I have different memories of it more strongly, uh, because that was like the last time that I hung out with my ex girlfriend, and we were actually like a couple. Oh, I forgot that she went. Yeah, she did. Did she play Advance Wars? No. Good riddance. No, but I mean, she was she liked games though. That was kind of a boys' club, though. Advance Wars was. Yeah. Well, yeah. The the high strategy stuff has always been sort of a dudes thing for our group, anyway. But the the cool thing about the multiplayer is um, that you get the competitiveness that it, the AI doesn't always show. Like I've discovered that playing through the campaign, you can kind of bait the artificial intelligence into making like tactical mistakes but another person never does that but you can't bait Nathan into making a tactical mistake that was the thing like i could never beat Nathan in a straight up fight but if we had fog of war on he hated it and so i could yeah. always outplay him at the beginning with the fog of war cuz i would set traps for him and he would just he would have no idea how to deal with it well what was cool about the multiplayer for this game and it's probably a bad business model, but it was great for the actual players themselves, was that you could play a four-player game on one Game Boy with mm-hmm. one cartridge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you just... It was like a hot seat kind of format. Like, you just passed the Game Boy from player to player, because like, it was mm-hmm. turn-based. Yeah. And, you know, you could take as long or as short of time as you wanted with your turn. Like, there's no time base to it, so it really didn't matter that, like, you know, you're not screwing somebody by, like, hanging onto the Game Boy for, like, 30 minutes into their turn. It's just stupid because it makes the game take longer. Right. So, it like, that's part of what made it so great was that, you know, you only needed one system, you only needed one cartridge, you didn't have to convince your friend who was kind of iffy on the game to buy it. And that's actually the reason I ended up buying Advance Wars 2, was because I came over to your house one time, and Emerus, you wanted, you were like, hey, we need to play this game, and I was kind of like, ah, Advanced Wars, I've never heard of this, I don't care, and I sat down, I played one game, and I was hooked. Yep. Yeah. My Game Boy Advance was my graduation present. This was the original, like, uh, landscape model, which had no backlighting. So, I traded it up for the, uh, the Advance Light, or whatever the SP, yeah, Ooh. the advanced SP. The flip model? Yeah. Yeah. You had the oh, clamshell and the backlight. I still look for those. They're still too expensive. They're beautiful, that's why. They were, like, um, incredible systems. They mm. were a joy to play on. 
compared to the original Advance, which was awful, like, there was never enough light to see anything. I remember playing Tony Hawk on that thing, and I just could not see anything that was happening on that screen. Yeah. So, the Advance Wars was the first uh, game I played on the, uh, the Advance SP, so... It just looks so beautiful. All the bright colors. And all the armies have a different color, so... There's orange star and blue moon and... Which is a very mediocre beer, as it turns out. I can like blue moon. It's like a good go-to, because I like like wheat beer, so it's a good go-to if I'm... if I, like, don't see anything good on tap. And it comes with an orange, and I like oranges. Oh, I'll yeah. drink it if somebody else is buying. If I'm at Red Robin and I just don't like the people I'm with, so I'll just <laughs> drink a bunch of Blue Moon, but otherwise, yeah. This Matilda, this is good shit, though. It's gone. Yeah, you're you're liking it? Yeah, I love it. It's great to have a local brewery, which is just really good. Yeah. So in Pennsylvania, there's Yingling, which is like the local Pennsylvania brewery. No, man, there's the Bullfrog. Well, alright, I mean, Bullfrog is local to Williamsport, but like... Right, but it's like four minutes from my house, so that kind of works out. But in Chicago, the local beer around here is 312 by Goose Island, and it's a wheat beer. It's nice to have, like, just a universal beer that's not like a heavy ale or a lager. I like Goose Island, it's good stuff. And so, actually, when I was playing Advance Wars 1, I remembered Dual Strike, which was not actually the most recent DS game from the Advance Wars series, but for my money, it's definitely the best. Um, Because it has so much unlockable content. Like, you could never, you never unlock, you never get 100% in Dual Strike. I didn't even know how you would play the game that long. (laughs) Like, every, every, they're like... 10 or 12 commanding officers, and each one can go up to, like, level 10. And each level unlocks a skill set, so you have talents for your commanding officers. Like, you can give them... You can take Max, for example, who already has really heavy close combat, and you can give him, like, an extra 10% damage in close combat. And you can, like, stat them out really specifically, just by leveling them up. Mm. There's like a hundred thousand maps. I don't even know how many maps there are. Uh, you can unlock all this stuff just by playing it. And then there was the second Advance Wars game for the DS, which I forget what it was called, but it was just not as good. Its big feature was that it had network multiplayer. Ooh. Yeah. So, like, I don't think Dual Strike you can connect to the internet and play multiplayer that way. You like still have to use a, a connector cable or like a local, the local um, wireless. But I don't know the other Advance Wars game. It just didn't have the unlockable content and did not have the like all the maps. It had like a, a zoom in feature where you can zoom in on the icons. I'm like, who who needs to do that? <laughs> yeah, that seems stupid. I did play Dual Strike, and I thought that the system of being able to upgrade your commanding officers was really interesting and le- yeah. it lent it like a light RPG aspect mm-hmm. of depth to the strategy that you know the previous games in the series didn't have yeah 
but I still never finished it because it was really freaking hard. Yeah, Ooh. it's really hard and it's really long. Weeners. Ah, advanced wieners. Really hard and really long. So yeah, I actually I liked playing Advance Wars One so much that I went out and I bought the cart for my 3DS for Dual Strike, and I just oh. I just reset. I got it used for ten bucks. I reset the cartridge. I'm gonna play from scratch. I'm just waiting for them to announce Advance Wars for the 3DS because then I'll then I'll automatically know what I'm reviewing for an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think Advance Wars might be sort of defunct, actually, because they 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 did this Advance Wars game for the GameCube, which was like an action. Was it Battalion game? Wars? Yeah, Battalion Wars. You like yeah. control a tank. Like just one tank. It wasn't like a strategy game. That was supposed to be an Advance Wars spinoff, but it, they ended up making it its own thing. I, I never ended yeah. up playing it because it didn't look very appealing to me. It had a similar art style. Like it was inspired by the art of Advance Wars, and it was like right. infantry and tanks and, and stuff. But which that was kind of a cruel bait and switch, wasn't it? Like they make Advance Wars look all childish and everything, and then they make it really ridiculously hard. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, that's no different from games of our youth. But the difference is that we were prepared for that because every game was that hard back then. Yeah. Mostly. You know, honestly, I didn't remember Advance Wars being that hard. Like I knew I never finished it, but I just assumed that it was because I was I was a terrible person. Like I never finished any video games back then. Hmm. But now I remember, no, these games are brutal. They're stressful and difficult. And, like, if you make one mistake, it will undo a lot of work. Because, like, a medium tank will rush your line and it will destroy your unit. Like, it'll destroy your ranged unit and then suddenly there'll be no threat on, like, three other weak points and you'll just get swept. You'll end up spending all of your money buying defenses and... and then after that, you're screwed. Because the game really rewards being aggressive. Everything that he says is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, actually. Like, once you get into the missions where you can buy units as the game goes, like, you're not just playing with pre-deployed units, then it becomes really fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a high-quality game, and anyone who enjoys strategy games of any form should really take a look at it. Yeah. But not expecting a new one to come out for any new Nintendo consoles. Yeah, sadly. No, I don't think there's going to be any new Advance Wars. Much like many of Nintendo's sort of hardcore franchises, they're burying it underground. Along with F-Zero. Goodbye, F-Zero. There's there's not going to be a new F-Zero? Miyamoto says, I don't know what else to do with F-Zero. And my response is, make it in HD, give it 30-player multiplayer, and give me a garage where I can customize my car, and bam. Good. Oh, yeah. But... There you go. Nintendo does need a hardcore racer at this point, because Mario Kart is all fluff. Yeah, it is. Well, it's a party game. It became a party game as soon as they introduced that damn blue shell. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) I'm actually wearing my blue shell shirt. It's the blue shell from Mario Kart, and it's in the style of Leonardo da Vinci. I think it came from, uh, from Woot. It looks like Leonardo da Vinci's journal where he sketched out the blue shell with the wings. Huh. That's cool. Well, 
All I'm saying is that blue shell almost cost me first place in that tournament that I played in. I'm sure it did. And I, I, I got hit four times in one race. <laughs> well, you gotta dodge that thing. It's dodgeable. You can't... No. Well, uh, in, okay, in Double Dash, yes, you can, which is the game I was playing, so that's my fault that I didn't dodge it, because I'm just... <laughs> I'm not good enough. But in Mario Kart 7, you literally cannot dodge the blue shell. You just... You have to get hit by it. That's terrible. Well, that's why when Kevin and I created the Sunday Smash group, we disabled blue shells. Or did we disable them? No, we couldn't, because you had to disable all shells oh, that's if you disabled right. the blue shell, which is why we didn't do it. So, like, any time one of us got the blue shell, we just felt like scum of the earth for using it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. Okay, well, I did. Second place is the new winner. Well, yeah. I don't know. It's not the blue shell's fault. It's it's the people who balance the game. They give they give the game they give the Mario Kart games rubber band AI, and they give them the blue shell, and it becomes a party game. Yeah. And that's fine if you do a casual mode, but let's maybe do a secondary mode for people who want to do this on a competitive level. Well, just comparing Mario Kart DS with Mario Kart Seven for the 3DS, mm-hmm. my win ratio in Mario Kart for the DS was a little bit better than 50% for the online play, which is pretty decent when you consider like the sheer volume of people who played that online. Yeah. Um, Mario Kart 7, on the other hand, I was... I mean, I consider myself to be equally as good at it. It's just there were so many more blue shells that any time I was in first place, I was getting hit by one. Yeah. And it wasn't just me. Like, every person who was in first place was just constantly getting hit by blue shells. So what it comes, what it came down to was who got hit by a blue shell last. <laughs> because that's the person who went from first place to eighth place. So it's... And it, it wasn't just that, like, I was being robbed of victories. It was also that when I was winning, I didn't feel good about it. <laughs> I was like, it's not... Be- I didn't win because I'm better. I won because I didn't get screwed. Yep. And that's why I'm probably not going to play another Mario Kart game. Yeah. I think I've been skipping them. Like, I bought seven because I knew I could play it with you, but I didn't buy... Oh, I did buy the Wii version, but I sold it because I didn't like it. I don't know many people who liked that. Yeah, my wife. Well, that's true. We did play it last time I was out visiting because you guys had borrowed it. Yeah. I've never been a huge fan of Mario Kart. I've just never seen, like, the appeal. Well... If you played anything after Double Dash, you wouldn't see the appeal. I remember I played the Super Nintendo game. That was groundbreaking. Oh, it was so good. And the DS one was really good. No, sorry, the Game Boy Advance one was really good. Um, and you could unlock every single Super Nintendo course on that one. Although, going back to play the Super Nintendo game at this point... Um, Mode 7, it turns out, gives me motion sickness. It doesn't give me motion sickness. It just, like, I don't know, blood trickles out of my tear ducts. Yeah, yeah, that one, both those games, the Super Nintendo game and the Game Boy Advance game, are not the most pleasant to play nowadays. 64 one still holds up. It's pretty fun. I disagree. It's ugly as poop, but it is a lot of fun. No, here's the reason that the 64 has problems. The The draw distance is terrible. Yep. Like, I, I had never played it when it originally came out. Oh. And then, like, I played it between the release of Double Dash and Wii. <laughs> and 
my I played it with friends who had all played the crap out of the N64 game, right. so they had all memorized all of the courses, and the draw distance in the game was so bad. Like they, like I didn't get to start in 50 cc like everyone else does. Mm. They started in 150 cc, so I'm driving off edges all the time and driving into walls because I can't see more than two feet in front of me, and I'm going so fast. You're exaggerating. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm not exaggerating. This <laughs> happened. <laughs> the N64 was terrible. Like, I don't know how any game was a success on that system. Because it just looked awful. Everything on that system looked terrible. Same for the original PlayStation. Those, all those no. games. That, that era, the infancy Final of... Final Fantasy VII was gorgeous. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like a cow's butthole. <laughs> I, I I downloaded it on my PS3 and I'm like, this is horrifying. I couldn't. Well, the thing it. that the thing that you need to keep in mind, Emrys, is that we both played Final Fantasy VII before the PlayStation 2 came out. Yeah, that's true. And Mark didn't. So, like, if you go back and look at it, it is pretty rough around the edges. It's it's but... hard to look at. That's true. But like compared. Compared to the N64, man, even by those standards, oh, yeah. like, it's so much better. It, it was so much better than the N64, and part of it was just the compression that they had to go through with the cartridge format, Yeah. and the textures were muddy, and and the play, the PlayStation had a little bit of that, but not yeah, nearly as much. The textures on PlayStation were all pixelated, so it's, it's, it's to me, it's almost equal, either pixelated textures or muddy textures. But I never had an issue with proceeding in, a, in Final Fantasy VII because I couldn't figure out what something was. In, in <laughs> Zelda 64, I could never... like if, if there, I couldn't tell the difference between a wall and a wall that had vines that I needed to climb to solve a puzzle. What? So what I would do is I would run from point to point and just try to run into walls to see if I could climb them or not because no. the textures were that bad. It might have been your television. That's You're the only person in the history of Earth that's ever said that. Th that's the thing about Majora's Mask that's mm. so frustrating because I think it's like probably the best Zelda game ever. It's, up, it's my... Yeah. It's so friggin' ugly and it's so disgusting to look at. Like, the... the user interface is like every icon is the size of a of a dollar bill and like the resolution is like 24 by 86 <laughs> <laughs> and it's just god awful to look at the story is insane oh yeah it's a lot better if you download um, the virtual console versions of Mario Kart 64, Ocarina of Time, or uh, Majora's Mask, they're all, they all take a little bit of advantage of the uh, higher processing power of the Wii. I wish so I could get Majora's Mask on the 3DS. Oh, well, not yet. Isn't there discussion about the possibility of that, though? Or is that just IGN talking out of their asses again? <laughs> it's IGN. <laughs> it's a slow news day at IGN, so the, that's, <laughs> that's, what that, that's where that came from. There's, I think the, the official thing is, like, the Zelda people like, like the idea, but no one's... I mean, they're working on the, a 3DS Zelda already. They're working on a, a Wii U Zelda already. They're not going to work on this right now. They don't want to do market saturation with Zelda. Why not? They've been doing it with Mario and every other one of their franchises. Right. Yeah. Except F-Zero. Well, they just... They really want to make F-Zero fans cry, is what it comes down to. I think it's all just sales. Mario sells F-Zero. F-Zero, they might sell like 100,000 copies. 
I was surprised I couldn't find Advance Wars for the 3DS either. Oh, for the yeah. 3DS? Yeah, no, there's no Advance Wars for the 3DS. Well, no, they they, they, they haven't announced it yet. No, I mean, like, you can't even get Advance Wars, like, the old games. Oh, well, they they don't have any Game Boy Advance games for sale in the eShop, do they? No. Yeah, I mean, they have uh, The Legends of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons, and Oracle of Ages. That was Game Boy Color. Yeah, yeah. I know, but, like, I feel like it's they should. Like, there's no reason why they couldn't do that. Well, especially because the the... the whatever you want to say, the architecture is already in place. I mean, Kevin and I have a ton yeah. of Game Boy Advance games on our 3DSs. They're just not available to the general public because they were part of that ambassador program that was an apology to all the Nintendo fans that bought a 3DS before the price, price drop. Exactly. So I don't know what the holdup is. The file size, they're worried about people max. No, they're not even that big. They're only a yeah, few hundred blocks. Yeah, they can't possibly be that big. Like the only thing that I, the only thing that I can think of, and Nintendo would be the only company that would actually have, you know, this is the reason for doing this, is that like they made a huge deal out of this being an ambassador-only thing. Yeah. And like that's the only reason I can think of that they haven't made Game Boy Advance games available to the general public yet. Pretty much all the NES games are now available to the general public. Right, but they never said that the NES games were going to be exclusives. They said that for mm. the Game Boy Advance games, that they would, at least for the foreseeable future, be ambassador exclusives. And Nintendo has generally been pretty good to their word. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's yeah. the only reason I can think of. Because, yeah, they clearly have it available, and these games would definitely sell. If, like, I mean, they didn't give us crappy games, they gave us really good ones. Yeah, they did. It really did. Almost all the best ones, except no Golden Sun. No Golden Sun. But that was a huge game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What yeah. are some what are some upcoming releases? Uh let's see. I have to apologize first and foremost to Vita owners and Vita fans. I'm sure none of them are continuing to listen to this podcast now at this point, but um there were a bunch of good Vita games that came out in June and I just completely forgot to read over them last episode. So uh my sincerest apologies. There is only one Vita game coming out in July. It's called Velocity Ultra. That's on the 9th. Um, for 3DS, we're getting Shin Megami Tensei 4 on the 16th, along with the uh, licensed movie game Turbo Super Stunt Squad, <laughs> which is about a snail that races in the Daytona 500. You're forgetting about the other major 3DS release coming out uh, this month. Got pushed back. Which one? Smurfs 2, which I'll be reviewing for our next episode. <laughs> really? That's Smurfs? Smurf and ridiculous. <laughs> I guess, is there a second Smurfs movie or something coming out? Um, yeah, yes. I mean, I, yeah, I, there is, yeah. I've seen, I've seen posters at the theater. Now, is there actually a game? Yeah, I, I saw that it's coming out in either late June or early July, I forget. Wow. That wasn't on my list. Um, I do know that Rune Factory 4 for 3DS was supposed to come out the same day as Shin Megami Tensei 4, but it got pushed back to August or September. Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to be ready to play another Sim game anytime soon after all this Animal Crossing. That's very different. It's more Harvest Mooney. It's much more labor-intensive with less reward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, next episode... 
Kevin, have, uh, we determined one of us, Kevin or I, will surely review Project X Zone. It'll likely be me, but it, if not, it could then be Mark. My apologies. We'll review something else, and uh, no big deal. Um, Emrys review will be reviewing Organ Trail for yes. Android devices. Um, Con- continuing our zombie thread from this episode. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be doing Icebreaker, a Viking voyage, per request from one of our listeners, who is also one of the heads of the popular Outcasts Network. Um, also a listener. Yes, we are quite thankful for that. He <laughs> and his wife, who shall remain anonymous, are two of the, uh, the, the biggest, I won't say fans of Portable Power, but they are certainly the most active on our Facebook page. Um... For the or- our portable past segment next month, Kevin will be doing Mega Man Doctor Wily's Revenge, and I'm certain there'll be a lot of swear words in that review. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know because you know I have, I really I really liked that game. I'm looking forward to going back into it, but the the swear words might not make it into the review, but they will definitely be happening while I'm playing it for the purposes of refamiliarizing myself with the game. Fair enough. So that's all out on August 1st. Look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, look us up on Facebook. Um, we have a Facebook page. Uh, you can go there and tell us to review stuff or like our silly pictures from high school or what have you. <laughs> there's just one picture from high school. There's about There will be a, a, another one soon. Oh, good. Thank God. You can also email us at portablepowerpodcast at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter at portablepowerfm. Don't forget to find us on the Popular Outcasts network. Uh, I believe it's portablepower.popularoutcasts.com or vice versa. I can't remember. I don't have it up right here. Yeah, so email us. Leave us feedback. Go on iTunes. Subscribe to us. Leave us a review. Get us up there. Get us noticed because um, we just want attention. Yeah, that's really why we're doing this. Don't forget, though, uh, on the on our website to check out the Amazon banner. There's a purple popular Outcast banner that you can click on. Do your shopping on Amazon.com, and it gives the popular Outcast network um, a small cut of whatever you buy. You don't have to pay an extra cent on that. We get it, and it goes directly to equipment, hosting costs, and what have you. We don't go out and spend it on hookers or anything like that. I promise. Well, I mean, he doesn't. But we do, but we do spend it on blow. <laughs> <laughs> that we do off of hookers' bare chests, but that's a that's a different whatever. It's complicated, all right. It's just complicated. We don't pay the hookers. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and we don't hit them with pipes and put them in our trunks of our cars. So what you're basically contributing to by clicking that Amazon link is debauchery of one variety or another. But you're listening to us because you love debauchery. <laughs> and video games also, presumably. Hopefully. Otherwise, God. Either or. Why are you listening? Yeah. <laughs> you're All listening right. because it's so good and we're so entertaining. That's why. And is it, this is the segment of the, the new segment of the show where we just spend forever talking about how awesome we are? Yeah. Last time we did that at the beginning of the episode, I think. That was episode two, yeah. Yeah. Well, th- this is the new segment that we do every week where we don't know how to end the episode. 
Alright, well, um, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Portable Power Podcast. Uh, and please join us again on um, August 1st, and uh, have a great night. Goodbye. Yes.